Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are you all today? Good? Okay. So, um, is it clear enough? So, I, I just suddenly, sometimes the our mind uh, works in very interesting ways. So just now I was uh, reading the text and then suddenly I was I remember that there's a feature of the visualizer where you can take a snapshot because if I bring it up you all cannot see. If I put it down I cannot see. <laughs> so I take a snapshot you all can see and uh, unless I need to write down something I just do a snapshot. Yeah. So yeah so then this uh, fulfills everybody's needs. I hope I snapshot correctly. Yeah, okay, huh? Is it clear? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, we didn't manage to cover uh, that much last week. We, we are at page 24. Uh, we are still at page 24, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have gone through the various kinds of wrong views, yeah. Uh, the uh, in a way we are we went we spent quite a lot of time to go through them, but yet at the same time, we uh, we really just went through in brief, yeah. Uh, the the emphasis on right view in Buddhism. Uh, is is uh, paramount, yeah, uh, because the the it it forms the foundation from which all the other factors arise. It is the first factor of the noble eightfold path, yeah, from which then right intent arises, right aspiration arises, right thought arises, yeah, and it. From there, then when you look at the subsequent aspects, right speech, right action, right livelihood, uh, then it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, if you were to talk to someone and start telling them about right speech, I would think that most people would quite readily feel that, yeah, okay, it seems to make sense. Uh, but some of them may... Uh, may find that is it becomes a form of restriction, but if they are introduced and acquainted with right view first, and if they can agree with that right view uh, as uh, as the direction, then when they take a second look at the right speech, right action, and right livelihood, <laughs> they will find it even more meaningful. It will make complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, so spending more time to establish the right view, to clearly outline and define um, what wrong view is, so that we are clear of the of the grey areas, so that we know that know the subtleties of the boundaries, yeah, where right view and wrong view differs, yeah, uh, can be most useful. As I've shared with some students, uh, Right view being the direction, yeah. Effort, um, effort gets us there, 
but if you don't have the right direction, you better hope your effort is not too strong. Yeah, having strong effort, but wrong view, is like stepping, uh, stepping on the gas pedal and going blind. Yeah, you get to the wrong place very fast. Uh, whereas if you have, if you spend some time to establish a right view, uh, initially it, it may seem like you are losing out. You know while others are going, seems to be going further, putting in more time. Uh, and maybe your progress is indeed slower. Yeah? But if it's a, in the right direction, it's a matter of time. Yeah? It's a matter of when and not if. Whereas, if you have wrong view, then it's a question of if and not when. Whether or not if you will get there, that's a big question mark. Yeah? Uh, so if you bring it, if you apply this to real life, it's like if you know the correct direction yeah, to come to BL, even if you walk from any part of Singapore, it's a matter of when. Maybe you'll be late for class, <laughs> but you'll get here. Yeah? But if you drive or you get into a cab or grab or Uber for that matter, and the person just don't know where what, you know, the right address. The person can drive at 100 miles an hour at high speed, but will just keep on going around in circles, you know. And maybe even when driving past BL, will insist, no, this is not the right place, and then just go past. Yeah. Also, I hope that this, uh, the time we have spent, um, is really just an opening. Yeah. Uh, I, I would invite all of you to uh, to learn further beyond this text, yeah, to always come back to recheck yourself, yeah. When you attend uh, any classes, when you hear of any new Buddhist groups, yeah, uh, always compare the check the mindset first. Yeah, most people when they go to we when we go to a new center, we will ask about oh what kind of practices you all do, when. Uh, preferably, the first question you should ask is, yeah. what is the what is the direction? What is the the principles that you adhere to? Hmm. What is the short term and the long term goal of this organization? Uh, that will tell you something about the the view. Yeah. Whereas if you just start asking about oh, what practices you do, it Sometimes you can't tell, you know, yeah. Like uh, in modern times, in I mean, just these few years, there are some groups that, if you just look at the practice, nothing in a way, nothing wrong, you know. Ask you to chant tapezo, sing sing also, <laughs> and function also, but the view is wrong, and it's on this basis we say that is not a Buddhist group, yeah. Because there are a lot of people who say, hey, but Sufu, they they do all these are Buddhist practices, what is wrong? The view is wrong. Once the view is wrong, no matter what practice you are doing, it's still wrong. Yeah, because the, the mindset. Yeah. Uh, so check. Yeah. Uh, check whether the view is correct. Uh, then the question is, how do you know whether it's correct? Uh, you can compare with this. Yeah. But of course, this only gives you a subset. Yeah. Um, there's this book called In the Buddha's Words. Uh, it's a compilation of suttas by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi. So, 
On Tuesday, we actually have a study group, and recently we went through one section um, which lists out the, 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 the different suttas related to right view. Yeah. Uh, you may want to go and take a look. Yeah. Um, you, I'm not advertising to ask you to attend that class. <laughs> yeah, but you can just go and uh, get the book and read it yourself. Yeah. Uh, so you can, from there, learn more about the different aspects of right view. Okay. So um, I think we stop at paragraph three, somewhere in between. Is it? Or have we finished paragraph three? Tan yu chen yi fa yi liang fa I think we started on this yeah do you remember where we stopped I think we only finished the first or second sentence <laughs> and then we uh, I think I went went through some other things with you all I asked you all about the exercise and then we never come back <laughs> yeah yeah, we spend the, the, the whole session going through the different uh, practices we do. Yeah. Um, for those who didn't manage to really share last week, I hope when you all went back, you all spent some time to uh, reflect on your own practices and how it helps you to uh, overcome the different um, aspects of your life, the challenges and difficulties you may be facing yeah? uh, and of course the defilements that arise here and there you know? um, it is a good um, exercise to to do uh, once once a while yeah? once a while do this reflection yeah? uh, and it's important because we are supposed to adjust our practice over time Take for example, if you were to do the practice of uh, uh, meditation in the Chinese Mahana tradition, at the initial stage, let's say the under Tian Tai Zong, yeah, the Tian Tai tradition, Liu Miao Men, the six wonderful uh, uh, Dharma doors or the six six doors, six ways of meditation, Su Sui Zi Guan Huan Jing. So it starts with counting. Then uh, following the breath, uh, then um, anchoring the, breath, the the mind on the breath, and just stopping the, the discursive mind. Yeah? These first three parts are part of what we call samatha. Yeah? But for most people, when you go for classes uh, taught in the Chinese Mahana tradition, you may find yourself just going through the counting and counting and counting for years, still counting, huh? Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the challenge is because sometimes we may uh, we may go for one class and then two class. So uh, from the interview or from the uh, observation, the teacher may not find that you are ready to do the next stage. So you are never taught the second stage. So uh, once you have uh, mastered the first stage and you're able to uh, quell a certain amount or portion of your discursive thoughts, then you shouldn't be counting anymore. Yeah. Because the, the counting is actually a, a, a crutch, if you will. Yeah, a skillful means for those with excessive uh, thoughts. Yeah, the counting will just uh, 
you know, in a way press it down. But once your thoughts are not so strong, and if you still count, then the, the counting itself actually prevents your mind from stabilizing further. And that's why at the second stage, counting is abandoned. Yeah. So that's adjustment. So you have to do review. If you can do self-assessment, you can do it. Uh, you can make adjustments yourself. But if you are unsure, then you should consult your teacher uh, that you're practicing under or learning under. And then the teacher will, you know, either through observation or interviews, then revise for you. Yeah. Uh, so the exercise we did last week, you can repeat that over time. Yeah. And it's not just for meditation. It's for all the different practices we do. So uh, let's just go through the the second or uh, the third paragraph. Tan yu chen yi liang fa, bing bu tong shi shen qi. So ai de jing yu suo chen de jing, bing bi bu xiang tong gu. Yeah, so uh, the, the, this, this three of the, uh, what do you call that, the, the six, it's part of the six. Uh, primary uh, defilements. Tan chen shi man yi er jian. Yeah, so here, tan chen hai yi. Yeah, so um, greed and hatred. Uh, so, uh, so between greed and hatred, the object, what you greed over and what you have hatred towards, uh, they should be two different kind of objects. So, rightly speaking, um, the two does not arise together. Yeah. Then, last week, I uh, gave the example of sometimes we may be in a love-hate relationship yeah, with, about something. Yeah. But even in such a case, you love something about one person but hate something, another thing about that person. Yeah. Sometimes, maybe in some special cases, it's the same particular uh, aspect. But even then, yeah, it is that you, you like that aspect, but it's a certain angle of that aspect. Then when you don't like, even if it's the same part of that person, it is from another angle. <laughs> yeah, so we are very complex. Huh? And so when you look at this aspect, then craving arises. When you look at that aspect, then frustration or anger arises. Yeah? And of course, sometimes it depends on our mood also. Yeah? Uh, when we are in a good mood, and someone uh, come and, uh, let's say, uh, ask how you are, or you feel, wow, this person cares about me. But when you're in a bad mood, that person asks how you are, yeah? your boss come and ask you, how's everything? Yeah? It's, a, it's a project on, on schedule. When you're in a good mood, oh, wow, oh, everything is under control. You feel like, wow, your boss, you know, uh, is, 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 uh, is not leaving you in a lurch, you know, come and keep tabs. But when you're not in a good mood, yeah, or you're under stress, your boss come and ask, is everything on schedule? Wow, you, maybe you feel pressured, huh? you feel like your boss is <laughs> uh, micromanaging. So sometimes, our perception itself can affect it also. So, uh, so I the jing, bi shi yu jing yi de jue ding. So, uh, here is um, giving some analysis. Whatever that you you have 
um, craving or you have um, if you have let's say greed over you must be quite um, definite about it yeah uh, not definite to the point of the the jetting center uh, as in that kind of supreme understanding okay not the spiritual supreme understanding part yeah but you are quite certain about its value okay yeah so um, then it says yi shi yu jing bu jue so yi tan zao bu shen so whereas for doubt doubt you are uncertain about this object if you have doubt about something that means you have you have question mark about it yeah and since you have question mark about it then you cannot possibly have greed and desire for it as well yeah so these two don't coexist together uh, a lot of the if you look at the text the main one described is particularities then the subsequent paragraph would describe uh, the interconnecting relations okay so we are going through the interconnecting relations so ro yu ta ren qi ai uh, uh, wait before i continue uh, uh, as much as this is helpful for me uh, is it easier for me to read do you all find is anyone lost because this way when i turn this on uh, you can see my hand and sometimes I'll point to this point, this part and that part. Whereas when I'm reading like that, you know, and you can only see the static page, you cannot see where I'm, I'm pointing. Which one is, is it, is it better if I, I just point here? More helpful lah, huh? Otherwise, I go on and on then, then after that you, you may, you may be a bit uh, lost huh? Okay. So maybe we can switch between the two modes here and there. And I switch and switch until my pen is switched. Okay, so I use my finger. So we are here. So um, let me see. Uh, okay, so uh, this is the part. Huh? So doubt. Uh, so doubt. Uh, when you have doubt about something, then you are not certain. Yeah. So and so with respect to that object, you cannot possibly have greed or uh, craving. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have uh, craving and desire for some for somebody, then you wouldn't have pride arise towards that person. <laughs> this is uh uh, something worth for you to think about yeah uh, if you consider the reverse it also implies that if you have pride towards that person then you cannot say that you actually have desire towards that person now uh, here when we say I uh, this typically in Buddhist text, this is not the usual romantic love meaning. Uh, this is craving. Yeah, this is about craving. Uh, 
In a way, when you look at this statement, some of us may agree, but some of us may have question mark. Yeah? Why? Because 若与他人起爱, okay, but there are some some couples they are in love, but they claim to be to love each other, but one person may be overbearing over the other person. Yeah? Have you all seen this? Yeah, I'm sure in, in different uh, not not your not your relationship, <laughs> but maybe you have seen in others, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we of, we sometimes see couples come for counseling about how maybe it's the husband who is overbearing or the wife who is overbearing, but usually the person who is overbearing uh, may not feel that they are being overbearing, may not feel that they are being very prideful, uh, and may even feel that their actions of being overbearing are expressions of love. Yeah? Precisely because I love you, that's why I must insist that it's done this way. It's for your own good. <laughs> yeah, so this is the paradox. Yeah? Now, this statement here is in a way about the ideal kind of love. Yeah? Or rather, that if you, if you are really honest with yourself, then... Uh, the the even if you talk about love or craving, uh, it's being superseded by the pride. Yeah, uh, it's superseded by the pride. Uh, is it possible to have pride while having love? Yeah, uh, but it means that the person loves himself more than that person. No? Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, not that the, not that that person who is overbearing. Not that the person don't love the other person, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you allow your pride to arise towards another person, it means that at that point, at least at that point, your love has been overcome by your pride. Yeah, make sense? Huh? What what what? Chima. I heard the word chim. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I'm I'm very sensitive towards the word chim. That day, some student on the WhatsApp chat group wrote to Chim. Wow, I immediately write an, write an article. No? So, <laughs> why, 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 why do you say Chim? <laughs> right? <laughs> you must have the, like, you know, when you go for the, uh, the traditional Chinese court, uh, or have a, like, let's say you take this and then go. Quite <laughs> tall! <laughs> yeah. oh, but now, since we are talking about this, how many of you are inside the SGC chat group? And uh, how many of you are not? Maybe that's easier. So, you a handful of you have not read that. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe I just give you all a brief. Huh? So, um, on Sunday, we had this uh, very short sutta. Yeah. Um, uh, Banija Sutta, I think. It's about trade. Yeah. It's a sutta where the Buddha explained the reason why certain trade would succeed and certain trade would not succeed. Yeah. 
there are four different cases and um, it's in plain <coughs> English, not olden English, not without not with some metaphor that is unexplained. Yeah. So actually I only know the person's uh, chat group name, uh, but I don't really know <laughs> uh, who that is. But the person supposedly know me. <laughs> anyway, after it was shared, some people say thank you, then one person said uh, I think thanks, but, but too cheap. Uh, uh, so, uh, anyway, is there anyone here? <laughs> I mean, I only know the, I don't want to say out the name, the, the chat group name. Uh. <laughs> I, I really don't know who, the, I can't remember who that is. Uh, anyone here? Close to all, everybody close your eyes. The one who, who wrote it, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, but in a way, I, I actually appreciate that the person wrote to Chim. Because um, of all the people who feel who just feel that it's too Chim, not many people will openly say that it's too Chim. So unfortunately, when it's just kept as it is, when, you, when people read and somehow come to the conclusion that it's too Chim, uh, hey, wait. You, you know what is too cheap, right? Uh, you have been in Singapore for long enough, uh, you should know. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I take notice of such comments. Uh, and the reason is because when a person, uh, I wrote in the blog, when we write something like that, especially on a group chat or on Facebook where it's read by possibly hundreds of people or thousands of people, it would reinforce the stereotype, the stigma that the Dharma, that Buddhism is too cheap. Already without us saying, most people have this kind of mindset. Why? Because the mass media doesn't help. What does the mass media uh, portray Buddhism to be? Or either the monk come out with, with, uh, with some... Uh, stick and then start fighting and killing people or uh, the monk will just come in and utter some short verses and that doesn't make sense to anybody and then just walk off. <laughs> so uh, the, the impression most people have um, through the media is, is either um, irrelevant or too obscure. And then when people actually go to the temple and they, they go to a traditional Chinese temple, they hear the chanting. If they manage to go through the whole thing without running off, then they will most likely walk away with a very confused state because um, it's in classical Chinese. Even if you manage to catch up, even if it's just read word by character by character, it's in classical Chinese. Yeah? Um, for myself, I had the privilege of having my late teacher explain character by character, verse by verse, sentence by sentence. But when you are doing chanting, you don't have that privilege. So the real life experience is also, it gives people that impression. But then when we have, uh, when have, when we have people uh, make that statement, then it seems to reinforce that impression. Yeah. And what, uh, what matters even more or, or strikes me even more deeply is that 
that passage was actually in plain English, already translated by uh, by a I think he is American, I think American or British, yeah. And it's not a 18th century translation; it's a 21st century translation. <laughs> so um, the thing we have to take note sometimes is when we make such a statement, it actually causes people to just get deeper into that mindset, yeah, and get get people repulsed to uh, exploring more. Oh. Uh, so instead of just saying that it's chim or too chim, we should seek clarification on the part we don't understand. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> don't be don't be shy. Just just share. Uh, uh, this is not to embarrass you, uh. um, I mean, she's my she's my uh, cousin-in-law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, the aim is. Never to shame people or embarrass people. I really sincerely want to know which part of what was described is actually uh, it flies over your head. Sometimes it happens, yeah, but which part? This part, because we just went through this. 仪式与静不绝, so the first first sentence can understand? Second sentence? Huh? Second sentence. Same word. Uh, so it, man here means uh, conceit, conceit of pride. Yeah. Because man, this man, right? This man, uh, we, we went through over here. Pan Chen Si Man, no? Page 3021, we just went through it. Uh, so if you refer to page 21, we just went through conceit. Yeah? Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so... So... It means that if you have um, love or uh, over here, may, there may be a case that over here is actually both the normal love and craving. But let's assume it's craving. So if you have love or craving towards someone, then it should it shouldn't give rise to conceit. Yeah. It also implies, as I mentioned earlier, that if you actually give rise to conceit yeah, towards that person, then perhaps at that point in time when you are me first, then you don't really love that person. Yeah, so there's this two-way thing. Yeah. So, it, okay, I'm not Jim anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If there's one thing I'm, I, I need to do in every class is to make sure that every single verse is not Jim to your 
you know what's her name? Yes. Huh? God nothing. Where are you from? <laughs> Israel. Ah, you are. Are you a Jew? Ah, I had I, yeah, Jewish. So I I had uh, I, I know of this family. The grandson was my student, a Dharma student. Yeah, so it will be the possibly the second. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you you know what is chim? Ah, uh, this is what it means. It's so deep and profound, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, so the word chim literally means deep. Yeah, it is in the Hokkien dialect. Chinese is a Chinese dialect called Hokkien. Yeah. So chim means deep. Yeah. Are you here in Singapore, like PR or visiting or for work? So here for just a few months or a few days? Five days. Five days. Oh. So when you go back to you're gonna go back to Israel? Yeah. Uh, so when you go back to Israel, you can tell people you learn at least one more word. Chim. Uh, but you must not say chin. That is the Amor way. You know what is Amor, right? Amor? No, no, not Italian. <laughs> oh, there is Amor. This that's love, huh? Uh, so again Hokkien uh, now you learn two words. Amor is literally ang is red, more is hair, so literally red hair, ginger. Yeah, red hair. Yeah, and it's uh, the Chinese term to refer to Westerners. Yeah, nothing derogative, but it's just a term that is common in Singapore. Yeah, so when you go back, you can tell people you learn two words. Three. Uh, three. Oh. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Well, okay, three characters, yeah, yeah, but don't anyhow mix them up, uh. okay. So chim, ang, and mo, okay, chim ang mo, uh. okay. So, 若是原自己的身体起爱, yeah. So if a person were to um, give rise to love and craving towards one's own body, yeah. Uh, the word yuan there's a lot there's a few different meaning um, uh, how we usually use in Chinese it means like uh, whether you are you have a good link with that person yeah so the word yuan usually means whether you are connected yeah or whether you are focusing on something so there's these two levels of meaning so here is referring to that if you are focused on your own body and then give rise to craving or love. Yeah. So uh Yusuasuman Jing. Yeah, so um in this in this case the the object through which your craving and love arise and the object through which your conceit arises is actually the same. Yeah? Because conceit, the, the self-conceit is with respect to this physical body as a primary and then your mind as a secondary. Yeah, so, uh, in this case, 
uh, greed and uh, conceit. Yeah. So greed and uh, conceit can uh, be connected. Yeah. Because they have the same object uh, through which the two arise. Yeah. So one is greed and the other one is uh, conceit. Yeah. So yeah, so these five different views, the five different views are referring to the earlier page. Uh, yeah, the earlier pages. Satya Yejian, Sakya Diti, Identity View, Bian Jian, the extreme views, eternalism and uh, nihilism, then Xie Jian, the, the various uh, wrong views, yeah, or or evil views, and then qu, grasping onto views, uh, the attachment, the, the view uh, or attachment to the wrong practices that actually uh, doesn't contribute to uh, the, the uh, progress towards enlightenment, but you are attached to it, you have the opinion. No, this is the, a good practice, when in fact it doesn't help. Yeah, sometimes we do such things. Yeah. So these five, hmm, uh, greed, and these five different uh, views uh, are can they can they can connect and resonate with one another without without any loss. Yeah. Yeah, because they they are of the same frequency. Yeah. Uh, whatever the kind of attachment you have that arises is also what you uh, delight in. Yeah, uh, you cannot possibly have attachment or that uh, viewpoint about something if you don't uh, delight in it. You don't agree with it. In, in other words, yeah. And at the same time, whatever you crave or desire or have greed towards. Must be something that delights you, yeah. So in a in a way, when you have certain views, yeah, the five kinds of wrong views, for sure you actually delight in that, in those views as well, yeah. And of course, for someone with wrong views, they won't think that they have wrong views. Huh? they think that that is the right view. Yeah. So, this is that this paragraph. Okay, so give you one minute to think about what we have shared for this paragraph and you can write down your own notes. Yes. Does the insisting on the view uh -huh. be wrong? Yeah. Does it need to mark? Ah. So the the question is, 
when we insist on a certain view, if it's if the view is wrong, does it lead to uh, conceit? Uh, let me take, uh, let me expand the scope, and suggest that, in fact, whether your view is right or wrong, uh, if you actually insist, uh, is actually because of of uh, pride because of conceit that you would insist uh, so uh, to begin with there must there should be some uh, conceit attachment to your opinion uh, your your view to begin with and that's why you would insist it must be like that yeah uh, having said that we may ask a further question uh, wouldn't there be a case where a person is truly correct? Does it mean that a person who is really correct, truly correct, does it mean that such a person should not insist? Then, if we go by statistics, then wouldn't we all, we are, aren't we all doomed to be wrong? <laughs> because all the correct person don't insist, and all the wrong person insists like hell. Uh, maybe that's why our world is in such chaos. Uh. <laughs> Many people vote for popular vote. Yes. Results in a wrong decision made. Oftentimes, yeah. So, uh, uh, I have heard of one uh, one concept in Judaism that when the rabbi, when they a group of rabbi, they have uh, uh, an important decision to make, and let's say there are seven of them, and the first six somehow they all agree on the same decision yeah maybe there are option a and option b i heard uh, maybe you can share whether this is a true uh, concept that if the first six um, say let's choose option a then according to the the jewish tradition the number seven rabbi must disagree is it true but let, maybe let me explain why first. Uh, then maybe you can share from your knowledge uh, and, and experience. So the from what I heard, um, the number seven must disagree. Um, it's his duty to disagree to make sure that the whole group of, of them uh, actually um, uh, analyze and make a, a, a decision that is not biased. Because if everybody just happen to agree on it, then you may have blindsided decision. Is it true? Um, it's, um, I'm not familiar with this one. Okay. But the, I know something that is similar. Uh-huh. Uh, that the, the rabbis, they usually, when they discuss something, it's a rule. What should we do? Uh-huh. Ah. Which is very, and they and they all talked like there was a seven that talked and the six uh, agreed and the one disagreed, but then they had to do a majority rule. Ah. And and he he said no, I, I'm right, you're all wrong. And then they say no, we think we are right and you are wrong. Uh -huh. And he then he he they he called for the 
voice of God, and the God said, no, no, he's right. Oh. And then they said, no, we, 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 we still think we are right. No, that the decision that should have been taken is by the, is, is in order not to divide the people that we, we, we are six, we are seven, and we eventually decided that this is wrong on the majority. Uh. So even now, uh, God thinks he's, he's right by his decision. Like he, his interpretation is the right one, uh -huh. but they decided on the interpretation uh -huh. that now this is the correct one. The oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's the, that's the, maybe it's related, but that's the. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in the in the Buddhist community, when the sangha, that means the monastic community, want to make a decision, uh, it must be unanimous. Yeah, if even one person object to it, then we will have to uh, rediscuss the matter. Yeah. Uh, so uh, usually we have this process called ipai uh, sanjiemo. So it means one declaration and then three requests for uh, dissenting dis dissenting uh, opinion. Yeah. So the person who is carrying out the the motion will declare the motion and then ask, is there anyone who disagree? Then we wait for people to say anything. Um, and after a while, if nobody say anything, the person will repeat again. I once again, you know, uh, ask, uh, this is the motion, is there anyone who disagree? Yeah. So after three times, if nobody say anything, then the person will declare. Uh, so since everybody is silent and by your silence, your agreement of the matter is taken. Yeah, so this is passed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, was, this is done uh, way back. I mean, now we, sh we usually would still do this. Uh. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the question about insisting. Um, if we look at the sutta, in the sutta, Susima Sutta, it's a, maybe I've shared on this sutta before. So there was this, this person who was not a Buddhist and the, the group, the religious group that they are with, they were, um, they were not getting enough support. Yeah, so because a, a lot increasingly at that point in time, a lot of lay people started supporting the Buddhist monks. So they are not getting enough food, not getting enough material support. So they come up with an idea, hey, let's go and uh, sneak in and learn how to dress up like Buddhist monks, but we continue with our own practice. Then we can get enough food. <laughs> so he, they send Susima over, because Susima is the most uh, intelligent and brightest. So he went in and he observed the monks, live among the monks, he, he got ordained. And after three months, he observed that a lot of the monks went to the Buddha and declared that they have attained enlightenment, yeah? arahanhood. So he, he, he went to find those who, who declared that they have attained arahanhood, the, the final stage of enlightenment, and asked them questions. And after asking, he further asked again you know, to clarify. And after many back and forth, he, was, he still cannot understand or agree. And so you know what the Arahant said? Whether you agree or not, this is how it is. 
it's okay. <laughs> Walk off. <laughs> he, the, so the Arahant stand is, but this is how it is. If you don't agree, well, what can I say? What can I do for you? You know, and he just spoke off. He he don't he don't argue with the person, or he don't. Uh, some of them with the ability, they may try to give different. Um, let's say, give a metaphor or a parable, or ask a counter question to help the person understand. Yeah, but if after trying all the means possible, the person still cannot understand. Uh, the enlightened person from the cases we have seen, they don't. They, they don't, don't insist not must be like this, yeah. But we see on Facebook, uh, see people quarreling, uh, back and forth, back and forth over a few days. Then at night when they sleep, take a break, and then the next day, <laughs> yeah. So if a person were to um, insist on a certain view, I would say right or wrong view. Uh, for a person to insist, there must be attachment. Yeah, that, and from attachment there must be that conceit as well. Yeah. Uh, the enlightened one don't consider this is my view. Yeah. But he see it as it is, this is how it is. Yeah. Uh, so but you must be careful, huh? Um either you have read this before or now that I have told you, don't try to emulate how the enlightened ones act. Try to emulate how they got enlightened. Yeah, it is like imagine when you see the the Mike the, the what is his name uh, Joseph Schooling. Yeah, don't try to emulate how he go to the uh, how he when he when he win and then he do this. Uh. if you just emulate doing this, yeah, I win, I win. You will not swim as fast. You must emulate how he train, how he do his training. Then you can swim as fast. Then you can have the right to do this, okay? Yes. Any time, if you are, if the object is the same, then they can arise together. Here is giving the example of how. Um, if it's the the body, the self, yeah, then it is the same object. Then of course it can arise together. What 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 is your question again? Uh, this is the example uh, given. Yeah, um, I would say. Um, so in the case of greed and uh, greed and conceit, yeah, uh, it is the case. But any time two qualities has the same object, then they can arise together. Okay, never mind. Uh, as far as your question is concerned, yes, it's the same object, and they arise together. Yeah. Otherwise, there are too many examples out there. Okay. Okay. Next paragraph. Chen yu man. So how about hatred and uh, conceit? Hmm. 
than doubt， 获得呃什么？参与慢以获得具体 ，Yeah. So, um, so this uh hatred, conceit, and doubt, uh, they may arise together also. Yeah. This 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 three pair. Yeah. This three they can form a pair and they can arise together. Yeah. So how is it possible? 若与内静自己的身体 So with respect to the internal object, in this case the body again, 起慢 Yeah. So if you give rise to to conceit as far as yourself is concerned, 这所示的静呃非称嗯 Then the uh the the one that you have servitude towards Yeah. That object that you have servitude towards um you wouldn't have Uh, hatred. 若与外境起呃刺灭心，刺灭心，呃亦与脾境起嗔恚心。Okay, so, uh, the first one is more like uh, a kind of uh despise, and then the second one is uh hatred and harmfulness. Yeah, so. 则所称所慢的静同一，嗯、mm. ，then then you can actually have the same object when it's external. So you may have, uh, you may let's say look down upon something, yeah. You look down upon something, so you have pride, you have conceit over that object or person, and then your hatred, yeah, your your un unhappiness can also arise. With respect to that person, that object.、Uh, so this that there's this distinction here. <coughs> Earlier on, when we talk about greed, yeah, greed, um, uh, with respect to the what do you call that the the、uh, conceit,、uh, internally, externally, it's the same thing. But here, for hatred,、uh, it's a bit different. Yeah, internally,、uh, no. Yeah, externally, yes, it can be the same object. Yeah,、uh, it can be the same object. So,、uh, let me see. Ah,、uh, 这所称所慢的静同一，所以说称慢获得相应。Yeah. So, ah, the 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 the. So externally, then. Hatred and conceit can arise together. Yeah, they can resonate and uh, uh, arise together. So, 与所缘境最初起疑时，呃，心上轻微，呃，未计，呃，未计嗔恚，所以嗔与疑不具体。So, uh, 与所缘境最初起疑时 So, when we when we come upon a certain uh person or object or situation, if initially we give rise to some doubt, then something happens. 心上轻微 So, our mind itself is still a bit subtle, not very firm. Yeah. 未计嗔恚 ，so at that point 
it hasn't given rise to hatred and uh, or uh, ill will. Yeah. Uh, so that's why the hatred and doubt do not arise together. Yeah, it doesn't arise together. <laughs> so earlier on we are talking about the initial stage. Yeah. When you come into contact with something and you have doubts, then it means that you are not so certain. If you are not so certain, then your opinion is not very fixed. Uh, not being very fixed, uh, hatred or ill will do, do, still don't arise. Uh, so at, at the initial stage, uh, uh, doubt and hatred, ill will don't arise together. Yeah. Then this second part is interesting. Say, But if you spend more time pondering over it and you are still not certain, then you become heavy hearted. Ah, you start to become troubled, you know. Yeah? You start to be to feel burdened. Like, why can't I you know make sense of this? Then it can give rise to uh, uh, anger or, or hatred. Yeah? Uh, so it means that doubt can ultimately still give rise to uh, aversion, a, a if you will. Yeah? May not immediately jump to hatred, but at least you will feel repulsed towards it, ultimately. Initially, not yet. Yeah? But if after much pondering, and reflection and consideration, you still cannot quite make sense of it. You still have doubt. Then you may get frustrated, in other words. Yeah. So, 由此意而说称意相应 So, it's based on this that we say that um, uh, this anger and doubt, they resonate. Yeah. So, it's not throughout the whole continuum, the whole uh, time period that they resonate, uh, but they ultimately resonate. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so if the doubt uh, if if your doubt uh, as much as you have doubt but if it doesn't obstruct what you are trying to do then no problem yeah uh, so maybe you can still not give rise to anger anger and aversion yeah uh, or ill will but if your doubt about something uh, actually obstructs what you are doing, yeah, obstructs you, then it can give rise to uh, hatred, yeah, it can resonate with hatred. Uh, if we think about our day to day life, uh, is it true? Yeah, uh, for something that you don't quite make sense, maybe it matters to you, maybe it doesn't matter to you. Yeah? Uh, if it doesn't really affect you, after a while you just, okay, la, don't understand, don't understand. Who cares? Yeah? Uh, but if it 
affects you. Yeah. And here, how it does it affect you? Uh, yeah. Uh, if it actually obstructs you, obstruct what you are trying to do, obstruct whatever you are trying to carry out, uh, then it can give rise to uh, aversion, frustration, and so on. And that's why we say that it resonates with uh, anger and hatred. Uh, so uh, this uh, anger or hatred uh, together with the sakyaditi which is identity view that means identifying with this body as self the two extreme views uh, eternalism and uh, annihilism then uh, yeah, the wrong, the various kinds of wrong views. So, um, anger and hatred may or may not, yeah, may resonate with these three. Yeah. Uh, how so? So, um, the example here given is So if this if your existence meet with suffering, yeah, is if you are experiencing suffering, okay, then uh, and you identify with this, of course for us, is there anyone who don't identify with your body, uh, form, feelings, perception, mental formations and consciousness as I? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, we probably have to say all of us are maybe, maybe to different degrees. Some more, some less. Yeah, maybe some of us are maybe not so attached to our body, yeah, or physical things, but we are we are attached with our 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 concepts, or maybe we are attached to how we experience things yeah, through the first five senses eyes, nose, tongue, body yeah. or maybe we are attached to not how we feel towards the physical world but how we feel inside yeah, our emotions we are attached to that yeah. uh, we t- hold that very dear okay. and now if any of this is giving rise to uh, uh, unpleasantness giving rise to suffering Okay, giving rise to pain, agony, and grief. Then, uh, would it not give rise to uh, aversion? Would it not give rise to frustration? Or when it can, if you, if this developed further, wouldn't it then give rise to anger or hatred? Yeah. Uh, what we are trying to do is. Uh, when we learn this, you, this whole section is about the unwholesome uh, mental states, yeah, the unwholesome mental states, the 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 interrelation between the primary defilements, yeah, uh, from which all other unwholesome states, the secondary unwholesome states, can arise. Uh, 
when we read and learn about all this, um, it can help us to have more understanding why we get so frustrated. It can also help us understand why people get frustrated with us or with situation. Yeah? We may think, why you get angry over this? Eh? Uh, this give us some clue. Yeah? We may not be going through this, but it helps us to understand why people get upset. And if it's we ourselves who is getting upset about all this, um, you must know that this is not a given. Yesterday we were like that. Today maybe we are still like that. But after this class, we don't have to continue being like that. Yeah. Uh, not, not so easy. Yeah. Just learning this is just a concept. Doesn't mean that we, we, tomorrow we don't get upset anymore. Uh, but at least you can use this as a reminder. Yeah. Uh, when you see, ah, okay, let's say there are five different conditions for, for the anger to arise. You see, oh, number one is here already. Number two is here. Number three is here. You don't wait for the next two friends to come for you to be angry. You, you should quickly diffuse the first three. Or you should quickly ask yourself, how can I avoid the next two? Yeah. So that the, the anger do not arise. Yeah. But at a later stage, at a later stage, you want to learn, we want to try to see how even when all the conditions are present, we, you can look at this differently so that anger still don't arise. Yeah. And the key here is if you are not attached to any of this, then you will not be you will not give rise to aversion. Yeah? And that's why in the teachings, the emphasis on um, attachment is so strong. Yeah? To not have attachment. But simply saying, let go. Yeah? Don't, don't just let go. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Easy to let go. Not easy to let go for a long time. As long as you look at it in a certain way, uh, you will always want to hold on to it. As long as our way of looking at things, at people, at situations and circumstances is of the same um, angle, uh, for a moment, when you hear a certain talk, a certain advice, or you encounter certain events, maybe for a short moment, you can disregard it and you can uh, uh, sort of be aloof and disconnected so-called let go yeah, but as long as the fundamentals your fundamental uh, way of relating to that person that object and circumstances and so on is still the same then it's a matter of when when will that attachment arise again and not if whereas if you manage to change yeah, change your view yeah, uh, relate to it differently then whether you see it or don't see it whether you think about it or not think about it yeah, uh, the attachment do not arise and when attachment do not arise you do not identify with it uh, in the same way anymore then anger will not arise yeah. so this is just a uh, this is not from the text itself, uh, but this is 
what I want to point out because otherwise we just go through all the text and you, you know a lot of things but don't know what to do with it now. so uh, so first we have uh, painful experiences then we have yeah, so when you uh, the earlier part uh, I, I kind of missed one important thing uh. when it's suffering painful experiences uh, we all know that it will end conceptually we all know yeah, we are not we are, we are all intelligent people. Like now in the in the class, in the hall, sitting down, without any much suffering, we all know that it will end. But when you are really in the having a painful experience, yeah, when especially when you are meditating, sitting down there and it's painful, yeah, just for one minute, you you feel like it's not not ending, you know. <laughs> you feel like it's eternal. You feel like it's going to last forever, yeah. So you it's hard for you to bear with it. Yeah, so this is the besides what I've shared earlier, uh, this is a critical point. Yeah. Then with reference to the next one, uh, pleasant experiences. Pleasant experiences, do we know that uh, do we know that it will end? We know that it will end. Yeah. Uh, but do we hope that it ends? We hope that it doesn't end. Yeah. Painful experiences we know that it end, but we think it will never end. Yeah. Uh, pleasant ones, we also know that it will end, but we hope it never end. Yeah. So over here it says Rohu So this is a bit uh, tricky. Uh, so this analytic view, uh, where with respect to the pleasant experiences, when you have the analytic view, uh, meaning that oh, you consider that with the end of this body, then that's it, end of everything. Then uh, then what happened? The yu chen xiang ying. This part is a bit maybe. Uh, how many of you can remember the explanation for analysis or nihilistic view? Uh, I mentioned, I think, one or two weeks ago about how um, it is basically the, the viewpoint that. This body is all that is. When this body comes to an end, then uh, there's nothing more. There's no future life. There's no past life as well. Yeah. But once this body comes to an end, that's it. Um, in modern times, it's called YOLO. <laughs> you only live once. And it's very popular among uh, young people these days. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me, I cannot conclusively or empirically prove to anyone uh, within my means 
uh, whether it's one life or multiple life, honestly. Yeah. I cannot just chant some mantra, then you see your portal and you look in, you see your future life, you see your past life, how you die, and then, oh, you. I, I can't do that. And even if I do that, maybe when you see it, wow, you really feel very motivated to practice. But after three days, maybe you forget about it. Uh, and maybe you wonder, was that just some magic trick that Sifu made? <laughs> or is it some special effect? You know? Yeah. Because our day-to-day experience seem to sometimes tell us otherwise. Our day-to-day experience don't, don't help us relate yeah, to see how there is interconnectedness from one life to the next or from one moment from today to the to three years later. Conceptually we can understand how they are linked. Yeah. But internally sometimes we feel like yeah there are no consequences. Yeah. Uh, and part of this disconnectedness or lack of consequences when you put one-to-one with pleasant experiences, uh, what this, this sentence is saying is, for someone who have the view that the life ends with the dissolution of this body, then pleasant experiences will end totally, forever. And that would be a terrifying uh, proposition situation so this is why and this is why uh, uh, aversion uh, arises yeah why Uh, actually the text itself give the example uh, or explanation so it's because there's fear that you lose uh, uh, the chance to experience this pleasantness with this body. Um, in the uh, in the Pali Canon, there's actually a more, in my opinion, a more perhaps relevant uh, approach that the Buddha actually explained. He said, uh, for whoever is attached to um, sensual pleasure such a person um, when he see someone uh, growing old and through old age um, loses part or, or loses the, 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 the opportunity to experience um, sensual pleasure then in him arises fear yeah fear of how he may uh, in future soon you know lose it as well when he himself uh, experience old age and through that old age um, do not experience sensual pleasure then he grieve yeah. uh, such a person he, here is quite in a way extreme he's talking about someone who is preoccupied with sensual pleasure yeah uh, and possibly only in the person's world, only sensual pleasure is the only form of pleasure. Yeah. Then such a person 
when he sees someone falling sick and through that sickness not have sensual pleasure, he also give rise in hit, uh, give rise to fear. And when he himself experiences uh, sickness and through that sickness uh, loses sensual pleasure, he grieves as well. He agonizes. And when he sees someone uh, pass away, die, yeah, and because of the death, do not experience sensual pleasure. I mean, if you are dead, you are dead. You don't, of course, you don't enjoy yourself. Huh? <laughs> Uh, then he's fearful. Oh, I'm, what if I die? Yeah, what if I die? Then I cannot experience all these beautiful sights, wonderful sounds, pleasant smells, uh, taste and touch anymore. Yeah, and then when finally he's approaching death, oh, he's stricken with grief. Oh, I'm gonna die. I cannot enjoy anymore. Yeah, so. Uh, that sutta itself actually uh, is describing this part, yeah, which to me perhaps would be easier for everybody to relate to without invoking the analytic view, yeah. But that is actually linked to analytic view as well. Yeah. Uh, one of my senior, um, he has passed away close to. Let me see. Uh, 12 years, uh, 11, 11 to 12 years, yeah, uh, 11 years, 11 years. So before he passed away, he, well, he's, he suffered from colon cancer. Uh, it, over a period of maybe two years. And one day, one day he, he talked to me and he said, uh, he told me that The one thing about cancer that he really, uh, you know, that gets to him, yeah, he says, no, not much pain, no problem, you know, you just take, take the, uh, those uh, painkillers, yeah, no problem, <laughs> you go for chemo, no problem, he says, but he says, uh, the the thing about cancer for him that really gets to him is, uh, he cannot eat those food that he enjoyed. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he shared with me very candidly. Okay? Uh, uh, the, the, the two food that he say he enjoyed, one is uh, cheese and the other one is ice cream. <laughs> Both are dairy products. Yeah. Um, perhaps... Not perhaps. I think I also remember that he, he after saying that, uh, I think he was trying to tell me that uh, because he can see that I also like cheese and <laughs> I mean I'm quite quite a fan of Western food, uh, so he he was sort of trying to tell me, uh, be careful of your liking for this food, because it will bring you suffering. <laughs> Uh, I haven't had much cheese, much cheese of ice cream. Yeah. Uh, for me, perhaps curry, uh, uh, chili, uh, uh, prata, tabihun. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe this can, maybe, 
uh, but I must say that whether it brings me suffering or not uh, it's not important to you it's more important whether whatever you like brings suffering to you <laughs> uh, when my family my family and my auntie uncle went to US to visit me in the monastery uh, the first night I mean I've shared with some of you before the first night I brought them to try out the western uh, well it's not really full western food uh, it's in the state of New Mexico so there's a lot of uh, Hispanic uh, Mexican kind of food com combo yeah, quesadilla and, and, uh, and stuff like that the next morning I brought them to have some American breakfast uh, potato cheese eggs and you know, baked beans and whatnot, yeah, toast. So they they were they were quite happy with it. Then lunch, they did offering at Michael's kitchen. Uh, we have quesadilla, we have hapalona, uh, hapalona, something that the chili thing, the grilled chili thing, huh? Jalapeno, yes. And then uh, basically all those things lah, with a lot of uh, the 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 beans and then the the cheese and potato and scramble egg and stuff. So that's just the, 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 that night and then the next morning and lunch. By the time it was dinner, I brought them to have dinner. And then they were saying like, I was like, ah, maybe I'll bring you to Outback Pizza. And they were like, uh, perhaps maybe we should try some, ah, that's a Vietnamese restaurant. Maybe we should try that. <laughs> I was like, why do you want to, you know, try Vietnamese food in US? Not that it's bad, but I was like, oh, okay. I mean, if you all want, or we went inside. Wow. I've never seen my uncle so happy before. <laughs> Open a menu, wow, look through. Then, yeah, I think these are quite good. Because <laughs> in all the years I was there, we never once go to that Vietnamese restaurant. Because if we want Asian food, we can cook ourselves. <laughs> so if we go down to the to the small town near our monastery, we will try the local food. Yeah, because in the monastery we are all cooking, we are all Chinese. We will cook Chinese food, and we can cook better than. <laughs> so my uncle, wow, asked, "Do you have porridge? <laughs> do you have this? Do you have that?" And before the waiter went off, wow, he asked, "Do you have chili? Chopped chili?" <laughs> But all these years, all these years, my impression of my family, my uncle and auntie, uh, is that they are quite easy going with food. And, and that is the point I'm trying to get at. Not that they are picky or fussy about food. Whatever we are attached to, uh, many times in our life, we may have one or two things that we feel strongly, that we feel that we are attached to. But the real test is when you lose something. Uh, that's when you really see whether you are attached to it. So if you feel that, oh, I'm not attached to anything. Ah, try again. <laughs> when you are about to lose it, check yourself. If you are about to lose it and you are quite okay, yeah, not totally aloof, oh, I don't care. Some, sometimes that's an overcompensation, you know. <laughs> Yeah. 
but if you really take it very equanimously, very easygoingly, you're like, oh, it's okay. Uh, then maybe truly you are not attached to it. But if when you are about to lose it or when you have lost it and you are oh, oh, twisting inside, then even though before that you don't seem to um, exhibit any form of attachment, strong grasping, uh, but in fact there is attachment. Because when you lose it and you are twisting inside, uh, that is the sign of your attachment acting up. So for most people, we may feel like, oh, I, I'm quite okay with food. Yeah? Uh, but when try going overseas and not bringing your chili party along. <laughs> oh, I tell you, in so many trips overseas for retreats or pilgrimage and so on, oh, huh? all the devotees, they will bring sambal, chili. <laughs> Have you tried sambal chili here? Yeah? Oh. You know the uh, well is coconut depends depends if it's the local one uh, it's usually without the coconut if it's a Sri Lankan or Indian one then they will put some coconut uh, sprinkle some inside and mix it up yeah okay. Please swim. Huh? <laughs> Please, uh, five days here, you must try something. But go to the restaurant store. <laughs> yeah, so um, when we. Um, so you can do a checklist. Yeah? What do you think you are attached to? Yeah? To give you a hint, write down the things that bring you pleasure. Write down the things that make you happy. Yeah. Of course, some of you will write down, Oh, Wednesday Dharma class. It brings me happiness. Oh, in that case, I must learn not to be attached to it. I will start skipping class. <laughs> uh, please. Uh, if, there's, if let's say that you have 10 attachments, two of them is Dharma things, okay? Dharma related things, okay? Uh, that is the last two to give up. <laughs> yeah, uh, some students uh, they are very diligent. So after learning the Dharma, oh, we must let go of our attachment. So immediately they come and tell me, they come and consult me, Sufu, how about Dharma? <laughs> Should I let go of Dharma now? Uh, no, no, Dharma is the last thing you have to worry about. Okay. Uh, but having said that, let me assure you. If you have attachment towards the Dharma, towards Buddhism, even that will bring you suffering. To be uh, uh, enlightened, ultimately, you will transcend even that attachment. Yeah. Transcending it doesn't mean that you are, you are oblivious of it. Huh? Uh, that's a distinction. Okay? Uh, so, and very importantly, uh, you should work on your attachment towards worldly things for a start. Yeah. Once you are, let's say one day, okay, let's say three weeks later, hey, you find that, hey, I'm no longer attached to anything. Not attached to food, not attached to this self, not attached to my ideas, yeah? not attached to the five aggregates, form, feelings, perception, mental formation, and consciousness. 
wow, your, your only attachment in life is towards the Dharma. Ah, come, and, come and see me. Okay, then, then I, will, I will share with you how to deal with it, okay? Uh, but before that, don't worry about <laughs> Dharma as an attachment. So, uh, yeah, so it's out of fear of losing, yeah, losing those experiences that it will give rise to uh, anger or hatred. So, 若欲苦受相应的无蕴值为断食则不起嗔恚因为欢喜痛苦将有尽期<laughs> So this is what we have gone through earlier. Yeah. Um, if you are experiencing pain and you recognize that this is not going to last, then you're going to be quite okay. You're going to be quite happy yeah, knowing that it will not last. Yeah. So, uh, how we relate to painful or uh, pleasant experiences is largely shaped by how we perceive it, how we understand it, yeah? how we relate to it. Okay, I'll give you some time to write down your own thoughts uh, about this, two, this whole large paragraph. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, tan chen and then chi. So greed, hatred, and delusion. So the third one is delusion. Uh, over here, it says chi ji shi wu ming. Yeah. So it is equating. Um, delusion and ignorance. Yeah, but I uh, the the two overlap. Yeah, uh, but in a way they are not completely the same thing. 
yeah uh, I've uh, mentioned before so delusion and ignorance ignorance is not seeing not seeing yeah and then delusion is not seeing and see wrongly and insisting that is correct <sighs> yeah so in Hokkien is ignorance is kwa yeah delusion is kwa sala yeah uh, so while well, when you, the in the first case, ignorance, you don't see, uh, you don't see what is there. Um, uh, that is the root, yeah. Because you don't see things clearly, you don't see things correctly, uh, you don't see things as they are. But um, it's not that you don't see anything at all. If you don't see anything at all, that means you don't have any opinion about anything. Then there's no problem, yeah. That is ignorance, but there's no further problem. The problem with us is, even though we don't see anything, we form our own ideas. Yeah? We, and then we think that that is the correct thing that we see. Yeah? We think that the wrong thing that we see uh, is the right thing. That is delusion. Yeah? So there's this, this uh, distinction. But over here, the sub-commentary seems to equate the two. Uh, not really a thought of is the sub-commentary, but because in many of the texts, the two are often interchangeably used. Yeah, Because in a way, when you don't see correctly, it's because you don't see clearly. Yeah, So the two uh, actually overlap. Yeah, overlap. Oh. So here it says, um, in general, or, or in summary, there are two main forms of the delusion or ignorance. So the first one is Xiang Ying Wu Ming. The second one is Du Xing Wu Ming. So the first one is um, the kind of delusion that uh, that arises in connection with something else. The second one is the ignorance that arises uh, without support of other things. Yeah. And in this case, it is that the first one, it arises in conjunction, connected with greed and hatred. The second one arises not in conjunction, not in dependence of greed and hatred. So the, the text itself is saying this. Xiang Ying Wu Ming, Yu Tan Ten Fan Nao Ju Qi. So with respect to greed and hatred, and possibly the rest as well. Yeah, those that you can it can resonate and connect, then it can further arise. Yeah, uh, when we are overwhelmed by greed and hatred, then our perception of of others, yeah, is often coloured. Yeah, uh, but this is just chrono chronologically. Once anger has arisen, once greed has arisen then it colors how we perceive it but to begin with in buddhism we say before greed and hatred has arisen it is precisely because our perception is already colored by ignorance by delusion yeah, so delusion the initial delusion give rise to greed and hatred but the subsequent delusion is further reinforced by this uh, greed and hatred. Yeah, so in effect, 
they are mutually uh, supporting. They are mutually supporting. So uh, this first category, Xiang Ying Wu Ming or Xiang Ying Chi, is referring to the the latter one. Okay, yeah, this one arises in conjunction, connected to this greed and hatred and other kind of defilements. Whereas the initial one, yeah, the trigger, yeah, this is the earlier one. Okay, this arise and then give rise to the greed and hatred. But if you look at uh, in Buddhism, when we look at the larger scheme of things, there's no initial ignorance also, because this in turn is conditioned by earlier uh, uh, experiences, yeah, that give rise to this, to this delusion and ignorance, and that itself is conditioned by ignorance and delusion, and then this ignorance and delusion is further conditioned by other experiences, yeah, and if you keep on tracing, there's always a previous state. Yeah. So in Buddhism we say you cannot find the first ignorance or first delusion. Yeah. So when we say this, to categorize them into these two segments, it is that it is talking about at a point when it arises. Yeah. Uh, there's that distinction. Oh, there's that distinction. Yeah, so from from this we should be uh, we should be cautious about how we perceive things. Yeah, how we uh, decide on matters. Don't decide when you are very happy or you're very angry. Yeah, when you're very happy, you tend to overcompensate on its positive qualities. When you're very angry, you tend to overcompensate on its negative qualities. Yeah, hard for us to make a a sound judgment when we are emotionally charged. Of course, when you read some of the modern self-help books, a very simple tip is before making a decision, uh, sit over for, write down a decision and then look at it the next morning when you wake up. <laughs> of course, for some people, when they wake up, they are so excited. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, so if you can learn to uh, recognize when there are this fluctuation in the emotions, yeah, uh, but uh, put that aside first, yeah, uh, then more likely than not, are we able to assess the person, the situation, in a more uh, objective manner, yeah, in a more objective manner. So here, uh, two qualities that uh, the, the, this sub-commentary is highlighting, uh, they definitely do not connect with one another. Yeah. So conceit and doubt. Conceit and doubt. Now, this statement doesn't mean that a person will either have conceit or have doubt. No, uh. It doesn't mean that. It means that you cannot possibly uh, give rise to these two with respect to the same uh, the, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a look. In man bi shi yu uh, shuo, 这个, 
呃这个林曼的进一的决定。Yeah. So when you have a、uh, pride over something, you must be very certain. You're very certain you're better than the, that thing or that person. Yeah. If you're if you're still having question, uh, hard to give rise to that pride, that ego over that. Yeah. Uh, now the certainty doesn't mean it's fact, ah.、Huh? It's just your perception of certainty. So if a person is, uh, is is very proud, yeah, over somebody's opinion or over somebody. Person A is proud towards person B, okay, or maybe uh towards the person's B's view and so on and so forth. Person A. Must、uh, be very certain、uh, with his his perception of how he relate to person B. Not doubtful at all. Now it doesn't mean that that opinion is correct, lah. It just means that that person has that very firm opinion. I am better. Yeah. If a person has doubt. Hey, I'm not so sure whether he's better or I'm better. Then you cannot possibly give rise to 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 pride, yeah, to ego, to conceit. Yeah, so this is what this verse is saying. Man yu wu jian rong xu xiang ying. So, uh, conceit and the five uh the the five different views that is mentioned in page in the previous page. Yeah, they can connect. Yeah, why? 都是沿着顺这顺境升起。Yeah, 呃，沿着顺境升起，呃，互不相违。Why? Because the object to which they are uh, uh facing, that they are paying attention towards, they do not um what do you call that? They do not oppose one another. Yeah. In fact, they support each other.、Uh, so the fact that you have a view about something, <laughs> in, in fact, that's your question earlier, huh?、Uh, if you insist on a certain view, for it to be a view, you must insist. Yeah,、uh, and you cannot possibly insist on on something that you're not、uh, you're not proud of, huh? <laughs> you must be feeling that this is. The, One, one very good idea. This is the best idea. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it's true,、uh, but we think it's true. Who bu xiang wei? In Singapore, sometimes we do encounter people who are like that. Uh, who will die die insist on their idea? But sometimes I observe that、uh, I don't know whether it's a Chinese thing, but sometimes we Chinese have a tendency to to just shun away from conflict and just ah okay lah okay lah.、Uh, during the formal discussion, okay lah okay lah.、Yeah? Post meeting meeting. <laughs> Yeah, after the discussion, ah, stupid idea. 
Yeah, you are here on business trip. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you attend a meeting, uh, chances are high chance that everybody will say, "Oh, yeah, okay, it's okay." Yeah. You must go and listen to the after the meeting meeting. That's where all the real views come out. <laughs> During the meeting, everybody will say, oh, okay, okay. But of course, it depends, it depends on the company culture. Yeah, In some company, people will bang table and throw files and whatever <laughs> to and really disagree. Uh, but sometimes, um, it's not a matter of whether you agree or disagree, but are there sound reasons to agree or disagree? If... If people just disagree for the sake of disagreeing, then it becomes a very toxic um, atmosphere, yeah, very uh, negative atmosphere where people just gun down any idea that's not theirs. That is also wrong. That is also an expression of ego. But if people on the surface just agree because we don't want to have conflict, yeah, out of fear of of this and that, then. Uh, but later on, uh, after the meeting, then disagree or uh, change the decision, then that is also wrong. That's also an expression of ego. Yeah. In fact, sometimes the fear of conflict, uh, and sometimes because of that fear, appearing to be very deferring. Yeah. Oh, and that that's what I call the acting to be egoless. Yeah. That is actually a form of ego. Yeah? Like, oh, I'm very stupid. Oh, I'm very stupid. If you're stupid, you're stupid. I don't have to tell people you're stupid. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, next, 但与边见中的断见必不相应. Yeah. So, with respect to uh, the the extreme views, yeah. Among the extreme views, there's the analytic view. Uh, here it says it will definitely not connect. Yeah. Why? 因为只我将断灭时，啊，心灰意冷，啊，所以慢心不起。Yeah. Uh, 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 so self, this uh, ego and pride doesn't resonate, doesn't connect with the analytic view. Yeah, that means uh, the opinion that things will end, yeah, or that once you die, then nothing else, you know, there's nothing further. Uh, with respect to this, ego does not arise. If you know that if you have that opinion, you know that your life is going to come to an end, and once it's once it's, once it ends, it ends. Then what is that to be proud of? Yeah, nothing to be so haughty or proud of. So, yi yu wu jian. So, doubt with respect to the five views, yeah, the five categories of wrong views, bi bu xiang ying. So, uh, again, related to your question. So, here, uh, the different kinds of views that is mentioned earlier, yeah, sakya diti, uh, the, 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 the five different types, uh, what are the five different types? You have uh, sakya diti, you have uh, extreme views. Then you have the wrong views, uh, you have the grasping of views, you have the view of the precepts 
yeah, wrong precepts and you have the view that they are actually good practices. Yeah, all these five views, doubt does not connect with them. Yeah, this is actually quite apparent. If you have doubt about your views, then you wouldn't have the view. You wouldn't, uh, you know, become attached to it. Yeah. Uh, and it goes beyond just these five views. If somebody tells you something, if you have doubt towards it, you wouldn't identify with it. You wouldn't identify with something that you have doubt in. Yeah? Not consciously anyway. Uh, you wouldn't then, uh, if you would not identify with it, with it, then why would you become attached to it? Yeah? You wouldn't become attached to it. Yeah? And this is why here it says, Yi yu, yu jian, bi bu xiang ying. Yeah. Why? Because is so one is very certain. Yeah, the other one is doubtful. So they mutually oppose. So if two things oppose each other, of course they cannot resonate, they cannot connect with one another. Yeah. Uh, so previously I mentioned about how uh, we can have opinions and uh, mindsets but for something to be called a view, it must be uh, something that you are very certain about. Yeah? And you hold very close to heart. So uh, this by nature is not something that you would be doubtful over. Uh, and this is why doubt with all the five different categories of wrong views, they don't resonate. Yeah? And for that matter, doubt don't resonate with any kind of views. Yeah? Because for you to form a view, you must be certain. Yeah? So it's almost by definition, they oppose. Okay, give you all some time to write your own thoughts about and understanding. Yes, Sherry. How do we actually put that into daily practice? Ah, I was I was gonna share after you all finish writing. Oh. <laughs> so when they when everybody finish I will share. It's a good question. Doubt and faith, wrong view and right view. How many more days will we be here in Singapore? Oh, wow. Oh, so one more day. I see. 
So your 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 friend uh, called me just now, just before the class, and then asked like, Shufu, I have a friend. Can I bring my friend to attend the class? Yeah. So I say, yeah, come, come on over. Ah, no worries. The fee is arbitrary, really. <laughs> I mean, I'm not collecting it, so I don't care. <laughs> but, but I mean, for that matter, the the center actually. Um, Bhante Dhammaratana, who is the founder, the chief monk here. Uh, when I was resident here, he would repeatedly, when he looked at the posters of the new classes, he would ask, "Is that a bit too much?" And it's only thirty dollars for ten lessons, twelve lessons, uh, and he would sometimes ask, like, "Should it be lower?" <laughs> so sometimes the admin staff would be like, "No, Bhante, it's very low." <laughs> uh, in fact, most centers would be happy to just um, do it for free. So sometimes centers collect the the fee just to get people to commit to the class. Singaporeans are. <laughs> I'm a Singaporean, but I mean, we Singaporeans, we know ourselves. Oh, wow, there's so many clubs. I register, register, register. Then later, oh, I'm not free for this. Oh, I'm not free for that. Yeah. Um, granted, granted. Uh, I mean, each, if you look at it, 10 lessons, $30 is, is what? $3 per lesson? I mean, Singaporeans nowadays, you can do without that $3, really, right? Uh, but it's about getting people to to at least make that minimum co- um, commitment. Yeah. So, uh, there was once I conducted a retreat, yeah, one of the first urban retreat here. So, I charged $50 for that, that uh, two nights and one day. Uh, but I put down a clause there. Uh, if you attend a retreat, it's free. Yeah, to register is fifty dollars. So if you complete the retreat, I'll return you the fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So on the last day, some of them, Sufu, no need lah, no need. I say, no, no, no. I must still return to your. As to what you do with it, that's your choice. Yeah. Uh, because the aim is for people to to come and practice. Yeah. I mean, if, if we want to earn that $50, I might as well not be a monk, you know, go and be, do what I was doing, I can earn more $50 faster. <laughs> yeah. So the aim is really not about that. So you're most welcome. And in fact, when you're back in Israel, you can go to the, the, the uh, po- listen to the classes through podcast. Not that I've been updating it very diligently. <laughs> yeah. So some students ask like, Sufu, if you upload it, everything, then wouldn't some students feel like, oh, I just attend, I just listen to the podcast. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, but then you miss out on the interaction, the chance to ask questions. And if, let's say, all of you decide to go on podcast, then nobody turn up, then we close the class, then everybody lose. <laughs> so this is called the prism, prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. How many people will freeload versus how many people will attend the class? Yeah. But to me, the, the greatest investment is not the $30. It's 
is your precious human life to attend the class. Yeah. Each time when we come here, we spend two hours together. Whether you spend it here, or you go and watch a movie, or you just sit and rest at home, nothing wrong with that, no crime or shame. If you are tired, you should rest. Yeah. But whether, whatever you are doing, your, your life still passes. Yeah, your life still passes on. But if you attend this class, or any other classes, or even just go for an enrichment talk, and through that two hours, you can, um, you can learn something that can help you have a better appreciation of your life, about this world, and maybe help you relate to others, relate to things and circumstances in your life, just a bit better, then you have not wasted your two hours of precious human life. And to me, that's even more important than $3 or $30, or for that matter, $300. Put our palms together. Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao. Yuan Da Zi Hui Zen Ming Liao. Pu Yuan Zui Zhang Xi Xiao Chu. Shi Shi Chang Xing Pu Sha Dao. Ami Tofo. Chili. He will meet again, may be guided and protected by the Buddha, Dharma and the Sangha. And as always, Kwai Kwai. Kwai Kwai means uh, good good. <laughs>